0: Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. We're glad you're here and great to be in the house of God with you. So why don't you turn to your neighbors and say you're in the right place at the right time, right now. I believe that today. And we're going to continue our series here on the names of God, Yahweh. And in fact, uh, we were singing this song this morning. It's the first time I got to hear it with our church singing it. I've heard the song, but man, what a beautiful song. I mean, God, we've got to sing like that every service. I mean, that's a hit. It's, it's one of those things uh, before you guys, before we had Spotify and, and all of that, you had to wait for it to come on the radio. Yeah, I know you guys don't know what, you're, what I'm talking about, but those of you that do, and it's like one of those hit songs that, that uh, you know, they just kept coming out, and there were songs like that. Anyway, here we go. But we're going to talk about the names of God, and uh, we've been talking about Al Shaddai, we talked about Jehovah Rapha. We've talked about Jehovah Nissi last week. I know you heard from Pastor uh, Rob on Yahweh, and he's all-powerful. And the name of the Lord is really a declaration of his character. And each name is the declaration of his commitment to his people. God does everything that his name declares. A name reveals one's identity And these divine names that God has in the Bible are integral to knowing who God is. So I want to pray as we dive into this message this morning. So, Father, we thank you today for the Holy Spirit. I thank you, God, today for your people that are here this morning. I pray that the Word of God would speak into their soul and their heart and whatever state of mind they're in, whatever they're going through. Lord, I realize that many people just made it this morning some people just barely made it and god i thank you that they came so i pray father anoint every word that i speak today and lord let the holy spirit lord speak into hearts and minds move every distraction and lord let the people hear the voice behind the void in jesus name and everyone said so I'm going to be drinking lots of tea as much as I can. I've been dealing with a sore throat uh, the last few weeks. So hopefully I don't start coughing over the mic. So we'll, we'll see where we go with that. Is that all right? Uh, throughout scripture, God has repeatedly over and over talked about how God promises to meet our need. In other words, we have a need, whether it's an emotional need, Whether it's a spiritual need, whether it's a physical need, or some type of relational need, God promises to meet every need that you have. In fact, one of the names of God, and this is what I'm going to talk about this morning, and you can write it down. I don't know if we're going to put it up on the screen there, but it's Jehovah Jireh, which means I am the God who provides for you. Or I am the God that meets your need. And so this morning, I'm going to talk about Jehovah-Jireh, I am the God that meets your need or or i am the god that provides we see this story or this illustration of god providing and i'm not really going to dive in or talk about a whole lot about that story but i do want to mention it today it's found where abraham is at the mountain of god and we'll talk about it in just a little bit and how god basically had told abraham to sacrifice his only son And God said, if you do this, then I know that you know me. And so the Bible says that uh, when he was about to, God stopped him, if you know the story. And in the thicket, there was a ram. And the Bible says that God will provide. God will provide. In other words, God will meet your need. In fact, there's another scripture in Philippians 4.19. My God will supply all your need from his glorious resources in Christ Jesus. So so what do all these needs include? What need are we talking about? I'm talking about everything. Now the problem when we begin to think about does God meet every need, if you look around or even if you think about your own life, you can say, well, God doesn't meet every need in my life. There are some needs in my life that that are unmet. In other words, God didn't fulfill them. So is God a liar? Is God's promises not true? Is God exaggerating the point? Is it something nice that God wants to say, but isn't true? And I'm here to tell you today, there's something very simple about God, and at the same time very profound, and I want to say this to you, that God is a promise keeper. I said, God is a promise keeper. And throughout the Old Testament, this is why we're going over the names of God. And Pastor Rob talked about it. Jehovah or Yahweh describes his covenant name. His covenant name is I am who I am. In other words, I will be who you need me to be. I will be there when you need me to be there. It is equivalent to saying I am a promise keeper or I keep my promise. When we look at Yahweh, he is the God that keeps his promise. Now here's the thing about God. God is the only one who has the ability to keep promises because he's a covenant making God and he is the covenant keeping God but as human beings we have the intention to keep promises we have the intention or the desire to keep promises but we're not always able we're able to make promises but not able to keep promises our circumstances let's be honest hinder us from the ability to carry out some of those promises But because God is sovereign, how many know God is all-powerful? He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He's able to make promises and keep them all. He's able to make those promises to you and I and keep them out. In fact, God can override anything. God can overrule anything. God has the way of being faithful to his promise. Uh, the Bible says that God told Moses, I want you to take the people out of Egypt. I want there to be an exodus out of Egypt. And when an ocean got in the way, when the Red Sea got in the way, God found a way to split the Red Sea. The Bible says when Joshua went in to take the promised land, that there were some fortified walls in a way and God found a way to get those walls uh, to come down. And how many know personally in your life, you have probably experienced it yourself where there seemed to be some red seas, uh, some things in your life that seemed to be in a way. And how many know God had been faithful to knock down some walls in your life, uh, to (laughs) split some red seas? He's able to move it because he is the promise keeper, Jehovah. Now, I want to say this about the promises of God, and I want you to really write this down for those of you that take notes, because I believe that that note takers are world changers. When you take some notes, you're not going to remember all of this sermon, but if you'll just take some notes, I think it'll really remind you later on when you sit down about some of the things that I said to you out of God's word. There's two types of promises in God's word. See, often we say, well, God promised it, and so I believe it, therefore I receive it. I'm going to drink some tea. Sorry, guys. Scripture reveals there are two types of promises. Write this down. Promises without conditions. These are promises that that are solely based on who God is. In other words, this is what I will do regardless. I will love you. I will never forsake you. I will receive you. That is all God's part. These are promises of God solely based on who God is. The second type of promise is when God makes a promise with condition. They are equally based on who God is, but also on what you need to do. It's whether or not you will fulfill your part. God will do his part. But you got to do your part. It can be thought of, if you do this, then I'll do this. Did you hear that? God is saying, if you do this, then I'll do that. That means if you don't do this, then God doesn't do that. Yeah. It's the if and then promise where many of us have some problems. Sometimes we feel like God is not executing or fulfilling his part of the promise, but it's because God is doing His part. He's waiting for you to do your part. Second Chronicles 7:14, "If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. If you do this, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. This is a a, a promise based on an if and then. Jesus said it this way in John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed on him, if you continue in my word, if you do this, then what? You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, what? And the truth will make you free. The reason why many of you are not free, because you don't continue in his word. You're not free. That's why you're still addicted. That's why you got to hang ups. That's why you stumble. That's why you struggle. That's why you have all of these issues in your life. It's because you don't continue. He said, If you continue in my work, then you'll be my disciple, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. God is the promise keeper. God fulfills his promise. And if we learn how to manage God's word and revelation, it will produce. TRANSFORMATION IN YOUR LIFE. And here's what I want to say to you when we look at God's word. When we're exposed to what God wants in our life, it awakens something in your heart that you have an appetite for. Basically, it'll cause you to have a hunger for the promises of God. And this is what I want to talk about when we're talking about Jehovah Jireh is that he's not just a provider. He's not just a promise keeper. But if you trust him, then he will provide for you. You've got to trust him. You've got to believe that he can do it. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So in order for God to fulfill his promises in your life, you're going to have to trust him with all your heart. And you're going to have to stop leaning on your own understanding. In other words, you can't try to use your wisdom and intuition. It's requiring you to lean on him. And your understanding needs to be absent. I'm just going to trust. Here's what the Bible says, Isaiah 5, 8, 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and what? My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. God's ways are not just different, they're higher. How many know when you sit higher, you can see lower, right? But when you sit lower, it's hard to see higher. Have you ever been playing the game, and I'm a, a real good pro at this, at sequence, I can win probably most people, but anyway, as you're playing sequence, if you want to get, if you get a higher level, I know some of you bitter people out there, but that, that I've won. And so, yeah, it's, it's really competitive. When I play sequence, I'm not your pastor any longer at that point. At <laughs> that point, the whole pastor thing, all of that goes out the door. I'm going to win this game. That's how we're going to do it. We're going to work it through some way. Anyway, so as you're playing this game, that's why I don't really play it a whole lot. But, but when I do... You gotta get, you gotta get above and and get and see a, see the whole game board, right? You want to see the whole board because if you get a higher view, you can see what's going on. If you're down here, you can't see the whole board. But if you get a higher perspective, a lot of us we're looking from our lower view. That's why you don't understand the higher ways of God. And it says in verse six, in all your ways acknowledge Him, what, and He will direct. Your path. In other words, He will make your path straight. You don't have to go in circles anymore. And He says, when you acknowledge God, you are consulting, and you are uh, with the intent of submitting. So when you say you're acknowledging God, you're willing to submit to the promises of God. And here's where I want you to understand that Jehovah Jireh does provide, but we have to trust him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and we can't lean on our own understanding. It's interesting to me that faith is always the substance that is required if we if we want God to be Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Somebody say amen. Amen. So that means faith has to be exercised. Faith is like a muscle. If it's never used, you're never going to build your faith. you got to begin to build your faith. And the only way your faith is built is sometimes it needs to be stretched. And God has the ability to stretch our faith. Look at what it says in First Peter 1.7. These trials are only to test your faith And to show that it is strong and pure. In other words, God puts our faith a little bit under the fire. To stretch your faith. Abraham, as I talked earlier, his faith was stretched. When God told him, I want you to sacrifice your son, your only son. When I begin to read that story, we say, man, God, what kind of God are you? That would ask Abraham to sacrifice Your only son. Man, this sounds like an erratic God. This sounds like a God that is uh, evil. It sounds like a God that's requiring too much. But I want you to understand that God was never going to let Abraham touch or kill his son. He wanted to stretch his faith to see if Abraham would believe God and trust God even beyond his own understanding. If I could bring it down to where we live. Can I do that today? Isaac represents everything that you love the most. It represents... uh, It could represent your child. It could represent your husband or wife. It could represent the treasure that you have. It could represent anything that you love more than God. Are you willing to give God access to it and say, God, I'll sacrifice it because I love you more than all of these things? There are times where God is requiring things in your life, and what we do is we tighten up. What we do is say, no, I'm not sure that I want to give that. And I want you to realize today, if we're going to trust Jehovah Jireh, God is going to stretch your faith a little bit. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. A faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. This is why a person, when they come to church, and they're new and they're excited, they want to do everything, I'm excited for you, but your faith hasn't been tested yet. You haven't gone through the fire yet. They haven't been proven yet. And so they take some time to develop. Your faith needs to stretch. We've we, we got to begin to see that faith to begin to stretch in your life. Will you trust God when things aren't going the way you want them to go? So I want to talk about a few things that stretch our faith a little bit. And you can write this down. It's called the pressure test. How many have ever been under pressure in your life? I mean, you've been a little stressed over a few things. How do you handle stress? Do you depend on yourself or do you depend on Jehovah Jireh? Do you turn to other things or do you turn to God? Psalms 50, verse 15, I want you to trust me in your time of trouble. So God is saying, when you're stressed out, when things are happening in your life, I want you to trust me. So what? So I can rescue you. And you can give me glory. In other words, I'll get the credit not you. God says, I want you to turn to me when you're in trouble. I want you to turn to me when you're going through problems in your life. I want you to turn to me when you're in stress. I want you to turn to me when things seem overwhelming. And what do we do? Is God the number one person that we turn to when we're going through things in our life? Or is God number nine or number ten? I dare to say today, as I'm preaching this morning, for most of us, God is not the first one we turn to. We call up Tia uh, or whoever it is. We, we, call, it our, we call our BFF, right? Uh, 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 or some of us, what we do is we turn to our pills in the medicine cabinet. Man, I need to take this. I need to take that. We call our friend and we complain about everything. How many have ever done that? You don't feel any better even after you did all that. Yeah. Oh, I know what I do. I'll do. I'll, I'll nuke some nachos and throw them in there. And then I'll just eat my way through the stress. And how many know, after you're bloated and everything else, they didn't help you, right? <laughs> oh, I know what we'll do. We'll go shopping. Yeah, when the tough get going, the tough go shopping. And I'm just going to spend my money. Or a lot of us today, it's become very popular. We go to Facebook and we vent to everybody what's going on so we can get attention. I know it's nobody here. I'm just saying today, all right? We have our own little stress relievers. And God is number nine. God is number 10 before we ever turn to him. You see, when you're under stress, when you're going through problems, this is where your faith is going to be stretched. It's going to be tested. And the issue is, are you turning to him or are you turning to these other things? See, the problem is we want our issues to be solved in a hurry. We want them to be solved real quick. We want the quick fix. We want the the quick hit, the quick this, the quick that, to fix everything in our lives. And God says, no, that's not how it works. You need to turn to me. Here it says, Jeremiah 2.13, my people have done two evils, two, not just one. They have turned away from me the spring of living water, and they've dug their own wells, which are broken wells and cannot hold water. So let me give you an illustration of this. Can you imagine if you were walking through the desert? And right now it's really hot. We're we're experiencing the heat wave. They say that uh, Death Valley, which is the uh, desert right now, may break a record. And people are still going there right now. They're warning people, don't go to Death Valley right now. It's basically 134 degrees. So you could die. So could you imagine if you went, and you didn't listen to everybody, and you went to Death Valley, and, and you ran out of water, and here you are, you're walking, your throat is dry, your, your, your tongue is swelling up, you're looking for water, and then you come to this stand, and the stand says, living water, unlimited for free. And there's a guy there with a big lash and everything. And he's waiting to give you water. And instead of you asking for water, you say, man, can I have that shovel? I need to dig my own well. Wouldn't that be silly? Wouldn't that be foolish? We would say, why would this guy? And then this guy is digging his own well. And he's wanting God to bless him. The audacity of this guy wanting to dig his well and ask for the blessing and a lot of us have done that ourselves some of us are in a relationship that you know is wrong that you know is not right but you're still praying that god bless it you're digging your own well can i preach this morning you go out and buy things with money you don't have right listen to me with money you don't have to impress people you don't like and you get overextended on your credit and then you say man i need god to help me in my finances god would have helped you Uh, he wants to meet your need not your greed but you've overextended yourself because you've allowed all these things in your life Uh, and so let me go back a little bit here and back up abraham when god promised him a baby boy God told him, uh, I promise you, uh, his wife was unable to bear any children at the time, but they couldn't wait, and so they dug their own well. And the Bible says, finally, Sarah comes to him and says, I want you to sleep uh, with my maidservant servant Hagar, and of course, you know, Abraham says, man, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> he said, are you sure? You know, all, all right, if you force me to. And so... You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, sure enough, they have a baby. He had the baby with the maid servant. His name is Ishmael. And he tries to say, God, here's your promised baby. And God says, No, that's not the promise. The promise is coming next year. You've dug your own well. How many times do we get in our hur- or hurry here and God's not in it, but we want God to bless it? We try to force a relationship. We try to force an issue. It could be financial pressure. It could be temptation in your life. Man, I, I, you know, I, I'm going to force my, you know, I, I'm going to meet my own need. I don't, I don't need the tithe. I'm going to cheat on my taxes. I'm going to do something unethical here in order to make money. See, you're, you're digging your own well, and God's not going to bless it. I got this sexual tension and pressure in my life. I'm just going to sleep with someone. I I need to get it done over. And you know, really, you know throughout Scripture that it's clearly said that marriage is only between a husband and wife. Not outside of marriage. Can I preach today? You're digging your own well and it's going to collapse. You reach for the bottle. You do this uh, for an antidote. Number two. Our faith is stretched. It's called the people test. God often uses people in your life to test and stretch and develop your life. Or develop your faith. How do you handle disappointment? How many realize today life is often disappointing? Am I right? <laughs> Things don't turn out the way we plan. Your career didn't turn out the way you planned it. Your marriage didn't turn out the way you planned it. Your plan didn't turn the way your plan's supposed to turn out. But the most disappointing things in life is when people disappoint you. If we're honest, we have been let down by a lot of people. People have disappointed us. And the reason you get disappointed by people is when you expect them to meet the need that only God himself can meet. A lot of our disappointments with people is that you set your own self up with disappointment because you put them on a pedestal. You put them in a place where only God was supposed to be. And you've set yourself up with massive, massive disappointment. And therefore, when they didn't meet your expectation, when they didn't fulfill what you wanted them to do, you've been disappointed by people. And your problem is not people. Your problem is you. You're the problem. Because you expected too much from people. You've set yourself up. With people. And people are not the problem. The problem is not people. The problem is you. You expected way too much from people, and therefore, when they let you down and they disappointed you, you fell into despair in discouragement. You have this sense of failure, and the only one that was ever meant to fulfill that need in your life and to fulfill your life is Jehovah Jireh, (laughs) my provider. Not people. People break promises. God doesn't. Did you hear me? The answer to your disappointment is not another person. The answer to your boredom is not another person. Your answer to your dissatisfaction is not another person. Somebody say amen. Amen. Isaiah 2.22, you should stop trusting in people to save you because people are only human. Wow, I don't know how else to say that. (laughs) There it is. Don't expect people to be the answer to your problem. It's not going to happen. Don't expect people to fulfill everything about you. Jeremiah 17.7, blessed are those who trust in the Lord. Again, that's Jehovah Jireh. And have made him, not other people, their hope and their confidence. Uh, Isaiah 49, 23, anyone who trusts in me will will not be disappointed because you're trusting in other things besides God. And when you trust in other people and other things, you're going to be disappointed. In fact, let me just say this. When you are disappointed in people all the time, it ought to be a warning light that that you trusted in too much uh, in people rather than God. It ought to show you that this whole time you've been trusting in people, but you haven't been trusting in God. It should be a red light. I'm going to read this thing. I read it the, uh, last night. And it's a story by Emily Pearl Kindley. In fact, she has the website, emilypearlkindley.com. And she says about disappointment and handling disappointment. She talks about even disappointment... In your children, and even disappointment when things didn't turn out the way you wanted to. And so she uh, gave birth to uh, her son who had Down syndrome and disabled. And she makes this analogy and how she describes her uh, experience raising a disabled child. And she said this. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and make your wonderful plans. The Colosseum. The Michelangelo uh, David. The gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. And it's all very exciting. But after months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bag. You go... Several hours later, the the plane lands, and the flight attendant comes and says to you, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean, Holland? I signed up for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All my life, I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland, and you must stay there. The important thing is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence and famine and disease. It's just a different place. So you must go out and buy new guidebooks. You must learn a whole new language, and you will meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. It's just a different place. It's a slower pace than Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there a while, you catch your breath, and you look around, and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills. Holland has tulips. Holland has Rembrandts. And but everyone you know is busy. Listen to what it says. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy. And they're back bragging about what a wonderful time they had there. For the rest of your life, you will say, yes, that's where I was supposed to go. That's what I had planned. And the, and the pain of that will never, ever go away. Because the loss of that dream is a very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the special, very special, lovely things about Holland. See, this is the principle of disappointments in our lives. This is the principle when God is stretching our faith. Some of you, man, you stood at the altar and you said, Man, I thought we were going to Italy. And you ended up in Bangladesh. What is it? Bangladesh. Yes. I was trying to pronounce that. And it's massive disappointment for you. You're complaining. You're griping. You're disappointed. You don't understand everything, but you gotta trust Jehovah Jireh, my provider. <laughs> Isaiah 49:23 says, "Anyone who trusts in me will not be disappointed or disappointed." Number three, the persistent test: Will I keep my commitments? Life is about making commitments. I've said this before, your life is shaped by the commitments that you make. Your character is developed by the commitments that you make. Your eternal destiny is determined by the commitments that you make. Heaven and hell are in the balance by the commitments that you make. The problem with most people today, if we make half commitments to a bunch of dozen other things and we're not committed to one or two things. If you're going to mature, if you're going to become skillful in anything in life, you must be committed. And I was watching these musicians up here, many of them that have practiced and they're working hard. And I've watched my own son practice after practice. I remember when he was uh, 11 and 12, he was learning the guitar and he was so committed. He would be, back then I had this uh, family van and he'd be in the van trying to play the guitar. He'd be in his room watching YouTube and trying to get all the things right. And and he would just commit. Every moment that he had, he was learning that guitar. Every moment that he was committed to it. And he had to practice, practice, practice discipline and commitment. And a hallmark of commitment and spiritual maturity is making wise commitments. Some of you are committed, but you're committed to the wrong thing. You're wasting your life. An uncommitted person is a selfish, immature person. An uncommitted person today is the person today that you have the inability to make any commitment and you're wondering why your life is hard. And you're wondering, man, I'm going to just tell you, you have to stay persistent. Commitment is a test right now. Some of you, right now, your marriage vows, your commitment to your marriage is being tested right now. Till death do us part. Really, you mean till we die? Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah. Do you die? And when I do marriage vows, I I say I, I make them say, and we will live and walk together forever and ever, forsaking all others. I will be committed to you and to you only. I commit my heart to you. I commit my life. Remember those marriage vows? And how quickly. We want to run away from our marriage vow The moment you run into one little problem, welcome to the real world. You're going to have problems. You're going to have issues. There are going to be disagreements. Oh, some of you don't like this preaching. It will test your character. Ecclesiastes says if you make a promise to God, don't be slow to keep it. God is not happy with food. So give God what you promise. You make a vow to God, read your Bible. You make a vow to God, I'm committed to you. I'm going to give. I'm going to do everything we have I need to do to follow you. Ecclesiastes 8, five said, the wise man will find time and a way to do what he says. Wise people keep their commitment. Weak, weak people do not. Did you hear me? My wife called them weak sauce people. They're weak sauce. They don't keep their commitment. Time, circumstances change, and they don't keep their commitment. What is the difference between weak sauce people and why solid people, why solid people keep their commitment? They do what God asked them to do. Did you hear me? They stick it out. They do through the process. They don't allow things to pressure them and collapse them, but they keep their commitment to God. And number four, write this down, the priority test. Who is first in your life? Do you trust God? Matthew 6.33 says, Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and he will give you all the needs from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary source. Another verse says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added onto you. What do you think? Let me ask you a question. What do you think most, uh, uh, when, you, when you have free time, what do you think most of the time? What are you thinking about most of the time? It's what you're committed to. It's what your life is about. What do you think about most of the time? Where does your money go first? Did they go to your hobbies and they say, oh, I got an extra five bucks. I'll give it to God. It determines your priority. How do you spend your time? Is it always doing this or do you say, you know what? I'm going to be at the house of God on Sunday to worship the Lord. I'm committing my life to him. I'm doing what God's asking me to do. I want to do I'm going to do what God, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust Jehovah Jireh, my provider. I said, I'm going to trust Jehovah Jireh, my provider. What is first in your life, and do you trust God? So I have this cup of water here. I want Pastor Isaac to come. I want you to come here, stand right here, face the people. When we talk about faith, can I, I'm going a, I'm to a test your faith today believe that I could turn over this water right here pour it out without pastor either getting wet anybody anybody believe that alright we got a few people you were here the earlier service (laughs) alright how many people believe that I could do it now if I turn over this cup right here that he won't get wet how many believe that how many have enough faith Oh, a few of you guys. Okay, let's try this. All right. It worked at home. Pastor Isaac, I hope it works, man. Whoa. Look it, Pastor Isaac. Pretty amazing, isn't it? How does that work? All right, I better put it back over. Sorry. All right, come on, it worked. Now, what, what was holding this cup of water? What was it? Anybody know? Air pressure. pressure, air pressure. Can you see air pressure? No. Can you see faith? No. But it works. That's what it is. God is stretching our faith a little bit. Will you trust God, Jehovah Jireh, my provider with your life? Will you put him first? Will you commit yourself to him? Are you willing to do what he's called you to do? Are you willing to take that Isaac, that thing in your life that you, means the most to you, and say, God, I'll sacrifice it. I won't put it above you. There are things in our life today that will only be free if we'll make real commitments to God. Some of us, the reason why God hasn't met our need, you're dissatisfied in your life, is because you put your priority in other things rather than God today. So I want to pray. Why don't we bow our heads right now? Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for listening to this message from Reach Church Paramount. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Reach Paramount. To give and support this podcast and ministry, visit our website at reachparamount.com give.